0: Welcome to Worship at Grace Lakin. This service was recorded on September 10th, 2023. Pastor M. Dias continues the Mark series with a passage from Mark chapter 12, verses 13 through 27.
1: Good morning, everybody. Sorry, that was kind of loud. We're so glad you guys can make it here on this beautiful morning. How about that, honey? I'm going to read the mission statement before I do that. A couple announcements in your program. If you didn't get one, they're in the back there in the foyer. A couple things to point out, though. Today, after church, right after church, we're meeting at the river for some baptisms. So please join us for that. Also, small groups start next Sunday, the 17th. Um, a week from a day. If you haven't signed up and you're interested or have some questions, talk to Ram about that. And it's not too late to sign up, so we'd love to have you plugged in with that. Um, if you guys would like to join me with the mission statement at the front, you're welcome to say it with me. By grace, we are rooted in the gospel, committed to growing together, and sent to love, Lincoln, and the nations. Please rise and join, Chad, in the call to worship. <laughs> Good morning everyone. Today's call worship is based on Psalm 29, versus six. I will read the unfolded portions of this either next to it, and you can all look at the bold portions and also. Ascribe to the Lord the glory be in his name. Worship the, the Lord in the Spirit of the Holy The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord in his majesty. In his temple, all crowned glory. The Lord sits in the throne as king forever. Lord, the of before the Lord our
0: Please remain standing and join us in worship. Before we sing, let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning. Lord, we praise you for your strength, your love, your justice, your mercy. But well, Lord, help us as we sing and pray and learn this morning that we would realize that your value and worth not only fill up our own human wisdom, the things that we can understand, but Lord, you far surpass the You are more strong than we know. You are more loving than we know. You're more just than we know. You are more merciful than we know. And Lord, when we sense we have exhausted this, these comparisons that we understand. Let us reach for the word, Lord, you are higher than us and more glorious than us, and we cry holy. No one else wields the authority that you wield. No one else commands the hosts of heaven. No one else makes the kings. All the kings bow down. No one else can make the darkness tremble. No other glory is like yours. Lord, you deserve all our praise. Lord, your splendor outshines the sun. No other beauty, no other power, no other name is like yours. And thank you that you can raise the dead, that you are ultimately, unshakably triumphant. And so let us cry this morning, holy, holy, holy. In all sins, Jesus'
2: Shall not be you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I love I love the progression continuing in this psalm. I know we did this psalm maybe a couple weeks ago. But this psalm, Psalm 32, is David just crying out to the Lord. And I love it. I want confess my transgression to the Lord. And again... The promise that follows is, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And then I love how, and you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. Please remember something here. (laughs) We are, uh, we have big sin, but we have an even bigger God. You have a big sin, but we have an even bigger God who we fall upon in this time. A time where you bring it to Him. Bring it to Him in this time of silent prayer confession. Whatever it is, the, the, the hurt, the pain, let's just bring it to Him. Knowing that if we confess our transgressions, He will forgive the degree of our sin. Don't take my word for it. Take his. So let's fall upon his grace right now. The time to sign for. To not play church, to not think um, church is just something we participate in and look forward and then we leave and we just do church again. Like we are church. Your church is your bride, thank you. That is your people. That, Father, you would slow us down. You would... You would um, By your Holy Spirit, grip our hearts, shock us again, alert us again, awaken uh, um, the the bored Christian in here who uh, maybe have rehearsed promises over and over again, but they're bored with the reality of who you are, would you shock them awake this morning by your Spirit to the unending, never failing love of Christ. That their hearts would not be satisfied with the mere pleasures of the world. Their hearts would taste and see and savor you, Jesus, as supreme delight. And Father, I pray for those that do not confess you as Lord. I pray the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you convict that heart. That heart that says they think they know it's best. Would you Humble them by your word this morning, would you humble them again through the scene? Humble them through the liturgy, that they would see you are who they need. And they would be, they would repent, they would be turning from their sin and trusting that you are the all-satisfying Savior. Father, again, may we um, as as I don't know, I was just thinking about the text again that I'm preaching this morning that we would believe in the scripture. Yeah, but we would also believe in the power of God. We would believe in the power of God that you are at work. You're at work in Lakin. That we would see continually as a church body. How you're at work in uh, the, the surrounding towns. Our clothes, our Jerusalem. The, the places nearest to us and that we would have boldness and we would have confidence to join you in what you're continuing to do here for the spread of the gospel and to the glory of your name. And that, Father, at the same time, Father, you move our hearts for the nations continually. You would help us to be discerning of how we can reach, how we can um, pray for, and how we can really um, join and send to the nations. And so, Lord, continue just to have faith. You're just going to us at wood. You can see, Holy Spirit, just do what you do. Draw us to yourself this way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright. Romans 8. Romans 8, 31 through 34 is our service departed. And oh, I think we need to stand up and click our heels together for this one because it's just. His word is good. Listen to what it says. This is, your, this is the word of God for you this morning. Listen. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not get this. He who did not spare his own son. He didn't spare his son. What else is he going to give? But gave him up for us. How will he not also us? Him graciously give us all things. He's already given His best. God has already given everything in His Son. How is He going to spare anything else? Who shall bring any charge against God's love? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, and now listen, who indeed is interceding for us. He's interceding for us before the Father this morning. And so, I don't know about you, but that makes me, I don't know, think I should stand up and just sing. And that's why we're here. Let's stand up and sing.
1: lost its home
2: So this week's question uh, is question 35, and here's where it says. Since we are redeemed by grace alone, through faith alone, where does this faith come from? Where does this faith come from? And I'll just read this morning: All the gifts we receive from Christ we receive through the Holy Spirit, including faith itself. So, everything. Comes from the Spirit awakening and that's amazing because if the Spirit started it, He's going to finish it in Amen. So, uh, talk about that question together uh, as a family. Uh, again, there's copies of the New City Catechism in the back um, with devotions and other things. So, I would encourage you to be looking into that. Uh, but last week we, uh, yeah, we jumped back into the Gospel of Mark. Uh, We're in part three of Mark, and uh, I'm excited because I'm type A, and we're finally gonna finish the Gospel of Mark uh, in ten weeks or so. So uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna do bigger chunks of scripture. So that means bear with me if I talk really fast and I'm just really you know whatever because we gotta just want to get through it before Advent, which by the way is like eleven Sundays away. Uh, Just so you know, just freak everyone out. Um, So it's roughly uh, eleven Sundays. So. Uh, we'll be in Mark, Mark chapter twelve, verse thirteen, and through twenty-seven, uh, and we have some doozies this morning. Okay, we're going to talk about heaven. We're going to talk about if you're married in heaven, uh, you know, some you know, just light things. And uh, so we're really excited to dive into these scriptures. So let's let's dive in. It's on the screen. Follow along with me, and we start at verse thirteen. But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a Denarius and let me look at it. And they brought him. He said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Verse 18. And the Sadducees came up to him, who say there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question. and said, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third, likewise, and the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died in the resurrection. When they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as a wife. Turn the scenario into it. Verse 24, Jesus said to them, is This is not the reason you are wrong, because you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses and the passage about the Bush how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham? and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. If you were going to preach this passage, how would you preach it? You know? What would you do with this? <laughs> it's a good question. I don't know. Man, we'll just, we'll, we'll just flip on I mean, uh, I'm titling this, this message this morning, The Ultimate Sage. Turn to your neighbor and say, The Ultimate Sage. So no you're There you go. The ultimate sage. The ultimate sage. Let's let's pray. Father, thank you for this uh this passage. Thank you that it is your word. And that's enough for us. Your word is enough. And Lord, I just I really pray that, Father, you would just help us. Help me. Father, this, this passage is heavy at points and, could be challenging at a point. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that nothing would come out of my mouth. That's not here. Like just, that's not clearly here. Uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take the passage and allow us to, if it's just a phrase or a point, or, to, to marinate in it, to, to, and then as we look into the Lord, we see your supremacy, Jesus, we taste and see you just more this morning, and we would grow. We would leave here believing more in the power of God than we did coming in. All for the Lord's name. In in Jesus name. i praise Amen. Uh, when I was uh, when I was a kid, I was accused of asking a million questions. Okay, I was that kid that was just went to my dad, Dad, how's this work? How's this going? How's this going? Hey, Dad, can I, can, I, can I run the lawnmower? How's the lawnmower work? Oh, you pull the thing. How's that work? Dad, 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 Dad. I mean, I, I just specifically remember my dad once like, oh, son, you asked so many questions. Uh, and I was just that. And now being a father of my own, and it's just one of the Lord's blessed us with these tons of children in our home. There is no shortage of questions in our home. Lord have mercy. They're all questions after questions after questions in our home. Hey dad, hey dad, what's this? What's that? And it can be like a little overwhelming. But I'm also really glad. I'm also really glad that my kids asked me questions. And I remember I was, um, I was glad that I, I felt confident enough to go to my dad and ask questions. And I remember when my dad spoke. Okay? I don't know if you remember this as a kid. But when my dad spoke, it was like... Oh man, you're the wisest guy in the world. Like that's my dad. My dad can kick your dad's butt. You know, that's my dad. Like he is wise. He's like this. He knows everything. Uh, I don't know if my kids think that about me. Sometimes I say something and it's like whatever, dad. Um, I don't know if I'm that wise. My kids buddy. but something happened. However, I got to I got to this little age. And no no offense to fear, this morning, but I got this little middle school age, okay, and this is what began to happen. I started getting hair marks, and I thought I knew what life was about, okay? And I started walking with a stroke, and I started thinking, you know what? And my questions changed to my dad. The questions came more as rhetorical questions of like, hey, dad, why do you get to watch TV, and I don't get to watch TV. Dad, why do you get to do this, and why why can I do this? Then, hey, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Everyone else is doing it. Dad, why can I do it? And I started questioning his authority. I started, you know, again, I started questioning his wisdom. And I bring that up because last (coughs) week we talked about how the Pharisees questioned God's authority. I mean, Jesus' authority. And in here. But oh, we have the same thing beginning to happen. We have three scenarios where, where these religious elite are going to come to Jesus and ask him questions. And the intent of their heart is like a middle school. Okay? Uh, I should say rebellious middle school. Not only middle schools. But just like, just hey, I know what I know. Don't question me. Their intent is not like, "Wow, Jesus, you have ultimate wisdom." And the question well, let me pose it like this: the problem for us is often a lot. We're often a lot like the Pharisees and the Again, we, we we come to Jesus with questions: "Why can't I? Why can't I?" And And Jesus is going to speak something here this morning. And I think what links both of these is Jesus' wisdom. And if your main point, if you're taking notes, is because Jesus has perfect words, because Jesus has perfect words for us, we must trust his wisdom for our lives. Think about that. Jesus has a perfect word for you. Season your hand the pain you're in, maybe the joy you're in, Jesus has perfect words. He's got perfect wisdom for you. And the two areas that we're going to see that Jesus actually has and how we submit to his wisdom this morning is his wisdom in government, yea, and his wisdom in eternity. So that's what we're gonna look at. How do we trust in Jesus' wisdom and government? And how do we trust in Jesus' wisdom with eternity? And I pray that if we do, we approach it like a kid, just an awestruck of what Jesus did say. Can we do that? (coughs) Track with me? Okay, that's where we're heading. Look at the first point. Here it is. We must trust Jesus' wisdom in government. Versus Thirteen and 16. Now again, we're we're gonna go through this quick. These these passages quick. Um, so if I say something today about government, that you're like, mm-hmm, I knew it. I knew it. this is. I knew it. That I knew that Sunday was coming, and he was gonna say it. Now nah, is gonna be out. Peace out. Uh, don't do that. Chill out. Okay. It's one sermon. All right. To yeah, have a coffee with me, we'll we'll chat about some of the stuff. Um, if you're if I don't go deep deeper than you want, but. Let's dive into the text. Verse 13, it says, "Now some Pharisees and Herodians came to trap him in his talk." That word uh, "trap," by the way, to Greek, is not uh, um, It's it's like uh, you set up a bear trap. Okay, it's like they had they, they want to trap him with a violent intent. They're wanting to trap Jesus in his word with a violent intent. And and what's really interesting is you interpreted by the Herodians. Right. You know, well, who are the Herodians? The Herodians are teaming up with the Pharisees, and that is mind boggling because the Herodians were a sect of Jews that, su- that supported the, the Herods. Mm-hmm. Uh, who were the Herods? They were this evil dynasty, this corrupt dynasty. They loved, The Herodians loved big government and were not conservative at all, unlike the Pharisees. And yet, the Pharisees. And the Herodians came together all around the, the fact of, we hate Jesus. Let's kill Jesus. They were united around something really corrupt. And so, and they, oh my goodness, this, this, they are smooth talkers here. The Pharisees and Herodians, look at verse 14. They say to Jesus, we know you're not swayed by appearances. Which is true. This is really actually real help hopeful application for us. We should be swayed by appearances. Or, you know, and Jesus wasn't. He wasn't swayed by having high labels. He, he, he was the same around people with high labels and people with labels. And he said, you are true. You are true to teach the way of God. So they are flattering him. And by the way, anytime the Bible talks about flattery, as supposed to like, like, it's never... We're good. And then they they drop the question. Is it lawful? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay taxes or not? And they think they got Jesus. They think they got him. Because here's why they think they got him. Oh man, this is such a great question. Because if Jesus says, if Jesus says, oh yeah, I'm all about taxes, all about Caesar, okay, all about it, all, all in, all in, then the Jews were like, man, I knew you, you you support a, a corrupt dynasty, I knew, it. I knew, it. we couldn't, you're not, and, and you would have problems with the people, Jewish people. However, if he said, you know what, Caesar, no, don't pay taxes at all, you know, he would be deemed, what, a revolutionary. And then they were going to arrest him and kill him on the spot right there. But remember who who they're asking. They're asking Jesus. And one commentary says that what Jesus says next to answer the question is the most important statement ever rendered of how to handle politics. Government. And this is what he just drops the mic. He drops the mic. But before actually, before he drops the mic, he, he calls for Daenerys, which was his coin. It was interesting. He had to call for it. He didn't even have it on him. He said, hey, bring me, bring me Daenerys, and they brought him the Daenerys. And on one side of the coin was an image of Caesar. On the back of the coin was a description glorifying Caesar's reign. And again, he says, "Whose is this? Who's that? He said, "That Caesar's this is, this is how he responds. I love this. says, Render to Caesar. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Jesus does not respond as a revolutionary, but he actually... He... Actually agrees with human government. He actually recognizes it. And uh, and if you search uh, throughout the whole Bible, it's interesting. Peter and Paul uh, write a lot about the governing authorities, um, and they write a lot of them so you can mark this in your notes if you would, Romans 13, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2, and 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. And um, by the way, when they penned these words about government and how we're supposed to respect and, and honor the government, uh, uh, Nero, Nero was in charge. And Nero was a lunatic. Okay, he was literally a lunatic. He, would, he, would, he was the most corrupt you could, could be. And Paul penned the word, you should pray for your government but here's, But here's the meat. Here's the meat. Jesus says there's an image of Caesar on the coin. So give Caesar what Caesar's. But notice it's the image um, language that is so important. Because he says the image of Caesar's on the coin. However, what he's really saying is the image of God is on you. So while, yeah, I'll respect. Uh, the, the governing authority give given them respect and, 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 and yes, honor. honor. However, uh, your ultimate allegiance is to God. He's the, you're, you're an image bearer of him. You're going to bring all glory to him. And um, now I want to get real practical here for just a second. And uh, Danny Aiken, by the way, I just have to say this because he helped me a lot here. Um. With uh, seven kind of key principles of how you and I as believers then should live in light of, of you know, understanding that there's Satan state and there's the church. So, governing authorities and then us. So, he gives, he gives seven. And again, these are the ones like if you, um, let's just go through. Number one, we will be good citizens, citizens living in subjection to government authorities even pagan ones. So that's Romans 13, 1-7. That's 1 Peter 2, 13-7. Second, we will responsibly engage the political process. If allowed, we will vote seeking to bring our Christian convictions into the public arena. Proverbs fourteen thirty four. And three, we will live intentionally We will live intentionally like Joseph in Egypt, Daniel in Babylon, and Jesus himself on earth. Our ultimate allegiance is to Christ and his kingdom. We will obey the state, but worship only God. And we will thank God for all the good he does to the government. Praying always for all who are in authority. That's 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 5. And 4, we will acknowledge that all government authority is established by and comes from God. That's Mark 12, 17, Romans 13, 1, Romans 13, 4, Romans 13, 6. 5, we will acknowledge... That all government serves in some measure the purposes of promoting good and punishing evil. That's Romans 13, 3-4. Bad government is is always better than no government. Number six, we will pay all taxes levied upon me and us by the government, recognizing its right to do so. Again, that's Mark 12, 17, and Romans 13, 6. And then finally, this is the big one and I've been, I know you've probably been itching for me to so. say. Maybe, I don't know. I can't tell at this moment. <laughs> it's pretty quiet. I, <laughs> uh, I don't always talk about government by the way, on but this is the text we Number seven, we will engage. Notice that. We will engage in civil disobedience. Only when only when our government prohibits us from doing what the Bible commands or when it, com- it commands us to do what the Bible prohibits teach and that's the one we could go to the weeds on for a long time so i talk but in summary as a devoted follower of Jesus we will say yes to obeying the government and paying taxes this see we not, me, but we, will be belong in that way. But we will say no to disobeying the word of God and worshiping a man or an institution. It's not, it's not what we're about. Independence Day for the Christian is not marked by a flag. Our Independence Day is Easter marked by a cross and went to Honor the government, but we worship God. That's what he said. That's what he said. Man. Okay? So he has ultimate wisdom in that spirit. And I tell you what, if you have beef, I think this is a sign of society. Okay. Yeah. Beef, what I just said, or beef up the government. Whoa, whoa, don't you know this person? Don't you know who's in a fool? That's my question. Don't you know who's in control? Who sits and says, you know what? God's not like, oh, man, what in the world? I didn't how you do you know? Oh, she's Maybe something? He's not panicking. So pray. I think if you pray for your government, I mean, if you do anything, pray. Pray. All right. That one's over. Now let's just go to the marriage. Are you going to be married in heaven? I don't know. That's just, whoo. I was about to kick church this morning. Second, we must trust Jesus' wisdom with eternity. We must trust Jesus' wisdom with eternity. Round one, Pharisees, Herodians, zero, Jesus, one. Boom. Now, let's go. Uh, now steps in the Sadducees, another religious group. In the Sadducees, they were, well, were wealthy aristocrats who had... Um, Big political and temple influence. Okay, big political and temple influence. They were very strong conservatives, only believing in the first five books most. Okay, and the reason that they were sad, you see, I did that. Yeah. See, but I really believe it. The reason that they were the Sadducees and the Sadducees is because they didn't believe in the resurrection. The soul dies with the body. There's nothing in afterwards. And so they test Jesus with, I think, like one of the most absurd scenarios ever. Like I literally at one point was kind of like, Chuck, like, what are you doing? Like, I mean, it's just back right at me. And I'm like, man, I'm sure I sound like this. Jesus, sometimes Jesus is like, oh man, okay. Um, but, Basically, what they're doing here is they're 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 bringing a question that has to do with the levirate marriage, and if you have to understand uh, when they said they talk about, hey, don't, don't you know Moses said this about uh, the Levite marriage? And so, if you remember, if you have a really good, if you're really good student, if you Remember back in Ruth, we talked about the levirate marriage laws, and the levirate marriage laws come in, in Deuteronomy 25. I'm looking up and reading this is a great passage. But basically, this, this summarizes what this is what it said. If if, if a brother dies and has no offspring with his wife, okay, then it was the duty of the other brother to take the wife of Mary. There you go. Uh, don't do that. Uh, but it's like, um, the reason why, the reason why God was uh, putting this into place is because, one, um, the security of of an individual was, it was surrounded by family. Family was a key, key unit and wanted the family, the family line to continue. And also to care for this, this poor widow. These gods, he took the care for this poor widow. And so, but they, they asked some crazy question. They said, what if there were seven brothers and one after one, they start being married as a woman and then dying I don't know if she's poisoning that. I don't know what is happening, but one after one, they're just dying. No offspring. Which I find hard to. And and now they're in eternity. She's married seven of these brothers. Walks in eternity. Like, uh uh-oh, which one? Like what? I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, think now, if, 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 if you've lost a loved one and remarried it, that's a valid. When you get to heaven, who are you married to? Man, it is like tense in here, this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's valid, right? I mean, the Bible is, I mean, it's wrong, right? I mean, it's, what, am I married? Am I not? What's, and you know what Jesus just says before he answers the question? He said, oh, by the way, You're wrong. He says you're wrong. He just calls him out and says, "You know what? You're wrong. You're wrong because of two reasons." And all we're going to get pumped up. He says you're wrong because you don't know the scripture or you don't know the power of God. We're going to come back to that. As you can see, that's key. He says you're wrong. You're just wrong. You want to have your thinking because you don't know the Bible. He don't believe in the power of God. And then he goes in to talk about the power of God um, and and answer the question because he says, for when they rise, meaning there is a resurrection. There is, he's saying, there is life eternal, Sadducees. Okay, they will rise. Um, And this is where he says. For when they will rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like." The angels in heaven. This is in my notes. I was just thinking about this morning. Uh, that phrase, like the angels in heaven, take a deep breath. This doesn't mean when you get to heaven, you're to have wings and pop around. Okay? It just see, it means that you are like the angels as in, ugh, hang on, you won't be married in heaven. way, well, this is the perfect, perfect test to preach on the I can't wait to preach this text. I'm literally thinking about, pre- I almost preached this at my last wedding. I'm going to preach that the next one. So if you be like, hey, I should ask a No, this is what's coming. I'm preaching this. Because this is huge. Because we have to think about heaven for a moment here. Okay, if I just rock you, we're gonna unpack that for Because we think, we have to think about heaven. Okay? And we are weird when it comes to heaven and our thoughts of heaven. I remember oh, it all was so funny. Uh, I was at a youth group meeting once and a kid came up to me. We were doing a series. We were about to do a series on heaven in um, our youth group. And this kid came up to me like, face, like scared. He got up and like, I don't know if I want to go to heaven. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean? He's like, I just don't know if I want to be in a diaper and floating around with a heart and singing praise songs all day. That's not all. He was being serious. I said, whoa, whoa. Chill out. I want to go ahead and do it. That's what it's like. Like I ain't putting my diaper back on, and I'm not going to Like Maybe. I don't know. Maybe the Lord will redeem my musical talent. But the the reality is this. Lean in here. There's there's things that continue, and there's things that are going to stop. Heaven is not like your life here, okay, but just 2.0. Just a little bit. Just better. And everything here, but just heaven, which is better. No, there's things that continue, and there's things that, that, that discontinue. One of the things that he is saying, the reason that you're actually not married in heaven, alright? It does, by the way, that doesn't mean you won't be you. You'll be you. It doesn't mean you won't recognize your spouse. The reason that you aren't married in heaven is because what what, what is marriage here on earth? Marriage, the ultimate goal of marriage here on earth is to reflect the love of Christ that he has for his church and to bring glory to God. It's for intimacy, procreation. It's this beautiful picture. And the, the, the reality is, listen, this is key. The reality is you will be more full in heaven. Your relationships will be more full. They will be more intimate. We'll get back to that in just a second. But and this is what he's saying when he brings up verses 25 and 26. He's quoting that way from Exodus, which I love. Because remember the Sadducees. They, they, they only believe in the first five books of both, uh, Moses. So what, is, what does Jesus do? He's like, alright, I'm going to quote him up. I'm going to just I'm gonna quote I'm going to quote from Exodus. He said, you remember the burning bush moment uh, when Moses the burning bush came to him? And God spoke in the bush saying, I am, that's huge. He says, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And then he says, He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And this is what Keller, pay attention, this is great. This is what Keller says on that verse. It's so helpful, Pastor Tim Keller. He says, Notice that Jesus does not hang the hope of life after death, like the Greeks did, on the idea of an immortal part of us. Rather, he rests in the commitment of God to us. So he says, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. Not that I was. This is a very powerful argument for life after death. We have a God who cannot, at our death, scrap that which is precious to him. So in death, this is what he's saying. He's like, he's he's saying, I still am the God of Abraham. I still am the God of Isaac. I still am the God of Jacob because they're living. He's reminding them of his covenant promises. Saying, I'm going to. I made promises. I'm faithful to my covenant promises. So. There is life eternal. There is life eternal. Say again. There is life eternal. There is the beauty of heaven. And the reality, the bigger question is, uh, hey, is, now, what is heaven going to be like? Everyone wants to know. Well, do, I, I really think we need to do a certain series on heaven and hell. Because it's just absurd what some people believe. And the reality is... Is, it, it shouldn't be uh what is heaven like? So much as are you going to heaven? That's the big question. And the answer this morning uh, is if, if I'm going to heaven or not, is if yet uh, I haven't checked a hundred church attendances yet. So I don't can't quite make it. Or I just can't give up. I said Ah, oh God! I almost got the cuss words down. Then I just, when I start cussing, no, that's not. You, you, you're you want to know how you get to heaven? You fall. You fall on your face and say, Jesus is the only way. He is my Lord and Savior. You don't, you don't do anything. You actually just receive. You receive. And I know, and I know some of you are still back here because I just watched you. You're still thinking, I'm married in heaven? What is happening? I love Nicholas Sparks movies. If I'm not married in heaven, I'm not going. And that's really cute. Okay, yeah, that's really cute if you just leaned over and say, I can't do it. That's cute. But it's actually. Listen. It's actually terrifying in a way. If that's really the depths of your heart. Because no one is in heaven. No one is in heaven saying, oh, I wish. I cannot stand it. And no one's done this here. But when people come up to me and they're like, oh, this mostly happens at pastor conferences. Typical. And, 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 and we get together with pastors and they say, well, John Calvin heard this. He'd be rolling over in his grave." Tom Wesley heard this, he'd be just rolling. No, he's not. He's not rolling over in his grave. He doesn't, there's nothing separating him from the supremacy of Jesus. He's not thinking, oh my gosh, there's falling apart down there. I'll pay him on to him. <laughs> he's in glory. You're not gonna be in heaven thinking, you know what, my fantasy football team. Wish I had more pizza up here. Wish I had more, you know, my sprinkler system. I really love my sprinkler system in Kansas. And take care of it. You're not thinking of that. You're not thinking of any. You're you're in glory. The fullness of the glory of Christ will be ten million times better than any pleasure that you think here on earth. Period. That is good news. So to close though, I want to circle back around to why Jesus caused them wrong. And this, we'll close here because this is key. He did call their theology wrong. Interpretation? You and I can get theology wrong. And he calls it wrong for two ways, and these are huge. He says, you don't know the Scriptures. I think we assume that people who read the Bible a lot, study the Bible a lot, who want to read the Bible a lot, are Pharisees. They're just instantly Pharisees. You, you love doctrine. You love it. And you want to study and read all the books and read all the Scriptures, and you're just a Pharisee because you read a lot. Not true. Matter of fact, you know God from reading the scriptures. You want to know what God's like? you will go deeper into the scriptures. Now, the bad comes when we worship doctrine over the one who doctrine points to, which is the scripture of Jesus. That's like, it'd be like, hey, I'm really pumped about the car ride instead of the destination, And that's where it gets, that's where it gets weird. That's when you get like a Pharisee and you're just like, oh, get yeah. back. I just love the doctrine, I love what this is. I'm just good, doctor, doctor. It's a study, study, because it's about knowledge you, you you skip the second part. It's the power of God. But you have to listen, family. If I could just jump in your brains and do one thing, I, I know this is weird. But if I could, I would have met just you're, you're at the bets are you you you're with the word. Every day, you're soaking in the Word. Saying, Lord, teach me. I want to hear from you. I want to know you. And don't, you're just soaking. You're knowing the Scriptures and all the while saying, let me see your glory. I cannot feed you every week. You have to be fed and cherish and you know the Scriptures for yourselves. Your life will be distorted. Your view of God will be distorted you don't know the scriptures. But that's not the the one I get really fine about. You can know the scriptures. You don't believe in the power of God. Oh, I'm going to jump around. This is key. Word and power goes together. He said you you don't believe this because you can't believe in the power of God. If we do something in the West, is this is what we do, we take God, and then we put him in this box, and we tape it shut, and say, God, you can align work right here, right now. This is how you can work, and we limit the power of God. I mean, let me think about the power of God, it's just a mark. God who, who multiplies fish and loaves, God who walked on water, God who uh, told Lazarus to walk out of the tomb, God, Jesus, when the people with addic- addiction met him, coming in contact with him, the addictions broke. God, who can do anything. God, who allowed a, 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 a church plant to come alive in, 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 in Lincoln, Kansas. Power of God we're talking about. Listen, do not let the enemy say, oh, this is just who I am. This is just how it is. This is how I just thrown up? No, we have to believe in the power of God, that he is able to change hearts. He is able to break addictions. He is able to, to make you see and savor Jesus more than you see and savor that sin. He is able to change the most hard-hearted, unbeliever that you think. No way. Do you believe in the power of God? So what does this mean for us? You want to know what this means for us as a church? I want us to have a big God. We're, we're part of something that, man, if God doesn't show up, it's going to not work. We have a big God and we have worn out by us. We have a big God, worn out by us. Moving forward. Believe me. Amen. So we close. The one question I asked my parents when I was in second grade that changed my life and is the most important question you can ask in your life is how can I be saved? Still remember, asking my mom. How can I be saved? And she pointed me to the ultimate sage. She pointed me to Jesus. The one who ultimately displayed the power of God, God as He hung on the cross, taking all of your misconceptions of who He is, all of your wanderings, all of your strains, all of your fears, all of your worries, all of your anxieties, and nailing it to it, taking it upon it, and then rising again from the dead, so He could forgive you your past, present, future sin. And then, this is the key, and then walk with you through life. Give me his words. Because he is the ultimate sage. So let's come to him. wondering, blown away, kids, saying, Jesus, you have all this in Not as the Pharisees? kids wondering. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for everything that you do in our lives. Holy Spirit, I pray that we take the word and that we not just be curious, but that we, we would be curious. Holy Spirit, take the word and help us to see and say you more. Jesus. Holy Spirit, take the word I said and use it to awaken to, to the faith, draw faith, that to help stir in our hearts a way of comfort that we are in you, Jesus, we have one eternal. Just use the word to draw us near to you. All from your heart. Jesus' name, amen. All right, Titus and Offering passage. comes from Deuteronomy 8, 17-18. It says, you may say to yourself, my power, my power and strength, my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. I do him. And so, again, uh, worship, uh, we, we have Tyson off in the middle of a worship, I mean, we worship through giving. We worship through understanding. God's given us, we're giving God. So if it's, in your, if it's in your heart and for your joy to give, uh, there's a black box as you exit on the left, and you can give on the right. So let's sing together our closing song, God Will holy. Please stand, church.
0: Joining us at Grace Laken. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grace KS, on YouTube, and at GraceLaken.com.